You're listening to the Feedback Code Podcast, igniting potential and activating perspective through stories of everyday feedback. I'm your host, Steph Barnes. Hey, this week we are talking about why great leaders really do ask great questions. And we're talking about the why of it. We're not talking necessarily about exactly what questions they are, but we're getting to the root of the why. And one of the things that I often uh, think about is I think about how when you grow up as a kid, you often hear there's no such thing as a stupid question. And we love that phrase, right? We love that because we think it makes people feel good. Um, By the time you are 25 and above, hearing that phrase is kind of like, you should know that phrase, right? It's that feeling. And so no one really taps into the why I should be asking these good questions. Like, what is it going to benefit me? And while we know there's no such thing as a stupid question, there's definitely an art to to strategic, smart questions that drive connection, accelerate connectivity, and advance your empathy across relationships. You might be blessed in your current position with excellent leadership that ignites inspiration, activates connection, and reminds you to be your best self at the table. For others, you may be experiencing anything but that kind of leadership. So rather than wait for a great leader to show up to demonstrate to you what that looks like, I want to dive into this episode with you and narrow down what great leaders really look like in your life. I don't want this to be focused on a career because I simply believe that great questions can truly advance your relationships far beyond coworkers or management. Um, It's one of the things I love about feedback is that when you ask questions, there's that sense of vulnerability. There's like, oh my gosh, I just asked a question. Or when you receive a question and you get to share your story or share your viewpoint, that's a sense of feedback that you feel either accepted, appreciated, um, you feel engaged, right? All of those emotions and all of that feedback is what I'm so passionate about. So it's about asking great questions in your groups, your friendships, your teams, your with your neighbors, and even while you're waiting in line, wearing a mask at the grocery store to hit up some small talk. There's such power in what that can do for your life and how that can encourage you and how that can just really continue to be a great practice space for you to accelerate at how good you are at asking questions. We're wired for connection. And I want this episode to challenge you to really consider what questions you're asking the people around you. How are you developing better connections and improving the questions that you ask yourself? Growing up, I was taught this lesson in college that there's always a question to ask when someone says, are there any questions? And that you must find something to ask. I don't know if everyone (laughs) had that same experience, but I definitely feel the pressure to ask a question. Maybe that's why I'm so passionate about this topic is because I want others to know what that feels like and to be encouraged by that, that there's a benefit to that. Author Bob Beale talks in his book about asking profound questions about the difference in asking profound questions. Profound questions are going to help you live with confidence, wise decision-making, clearly defined priorities, and will actually sharpen your focus in life. 
And I don't know about you, but sometimes in a digital world, it can seem so loud and messy and there's just so many options for us to do and distract ourselves with. And so sharpening your focus is something that is definitely a benefit. And as a leader in your organization or your family or just your relationships, you have to live with a relentless desire to continue to ask questions. The desire to pick someone's brain, question how they problem solve, how you problem solve, and consistently challenge solutions is actually going to advance your team further and faster. The way in which you communicate is rooted in so many Latin words, but specifically the word communication. It literally has the root of meaning common. And in Latin, it's it's going to con- connect you back to what is common. So if you're lacking commonality, you'll also lack connection. Think of how you feel when you simply say, I love thunderstorms, and someone says, me too. If I said I like something that's in California, the likeliness of finding commonality might be low unless I'm aware of where someone is actually from and I'm trying to connect with them. So if I were to say that with someone who I know who just moved here, they might be more inclined to say, me too, because maybe they actually know thunderstorms are not a regular thing in California, and then we can continue the discussion of where did you live before California. The deeper you foster basic connections, like thunderstorms, the greater the ability to see someone have your back or for them to go out of their way to actually help you. Leading or not, if you appear like you don't have time for basic connections, you are already going to position yourself in a deficit to the connection. I don't know about you, but having been in the room before where someone seems like they're so quick to get off of a Zoom or they're so quick to get off of a phone call or they're so quick to kind of give you that indication like, yeah, I'm done. I'm ready. I'm ready to end this conversation. That's okay. Um, But the thing that happens though is that If you were to actually invest that one to two extra minutes in closing the loop and figuring out that maybe there's another time to connect and maybe that person could actually just communicate, hey, I actually am on a deadline. Let's connect another time. Or I have a meeting in five minutes that I need to prep for. That's communicating. That's fostering a connection. People can understand how that feels and they can relate to that feeling. So you have to be willing to communicate that though versus just being like, okay, bye guys. And you you sign off. That's a different sense of connection, and people are going to feel that lack of connection. They're just going to feel that, which is going to you know, further other feelings, right? So when you see that as one of the greatest mistakes, you'll watch that then people want to jump to assumptions. They jump to assumptions in their own mind of their worthiness, or she doesn't have time for me, or he doesn't have time for me. Um, usually assumptions from what we know is that it's going to be a poor experience if you don't actually have the facts. And so if you were standing, for example, in MoMA looking at uh, the art of assumptions, you'd likely describe it as like all over the place, a lack of rhythm, or maybe just like a blank dead canvas. And assumption is just like an empty feeling. Assumption is kind of chaotic sometimes because you're making up all these stories that you don't even know the actual facts yet. And so Thinking about how that's going to impact your world of vulnerability and asking questions is something that's really important to remember. George Bernard Shaw once said that the greatest problem with communication is the illusion that it has already been accomplished. He was so accurate by this statement. 
I can't tell you how many times there has been a small thread of assumption that weaves a tapestry across an entire team. The assumption that polling data is too much work. The assumption that a discussion of punctuation is too difficult to repeat. The fear that speaking the truth might actually cause concern. So instead, sitting in a sense of mediocrity out of fear of altering someone's opinion was, is going to leave the team faking it and internalizing their frustrations instead of simply asking some questions to get clarity. All because we simply weren't courageous to ask questions, we now sit with a lack of clarity. You don't have to be asking the right questions, but the more you ask a few questions, the closer you become to getting comfortable at asking the right questions. Questions will bring about vulnerability, accountability, humility, and authority. They help you recognize that you need help, and they help you visualize what exactly you don't know, even if you thought you knew everything about a specific topic. The art of this topic of questions is that you have to face the fact that you're willing to be wrong. Humbling, right? You're willing to ask questions to openly say back that you may not know the answer. Or asking questions is also the art of seeing who in the room is going to help you with the answer. I remember I used to lead a Bible study on Tuesday nights, and I would encourage 30-plus leaders who would then go lead a room of about 300 to 400 women every week, that if I didn't have the answer for them, I would know who I could ask to help them. I would tell my table and my leaders that I was responsible for the fact that they didn't have to have all the answers about the Bible or life or the church or just work. They didn't have to have all the answers, but that I told them I was responsible for the fact that I would be the one to connect them to someone who had answers to help them get one step closer. This allowed them to simply feel empowered to encourage other women to ask questions, to foster discussion, and that if a question came up that was unclear, that they would actually be willing to approach someone else in the room who could potentially find that answer. This is an inclusive approach. It's allowing everybody to feel a sense that we're not all going to have the perfect answer, but that someone in this room is going to have the answer. You see, That was the art cultivating connection and community in those groups. The group could feel safe, trusted, and know that their guardrails didn't have to be sky high. They could actually bring the guardrails down, ask questions, and actually acknowledge that they didn't have the answer to something. It could have been that they were carrying this burden all day to be the one that has all the right answers or the one that comes across to be the smartest in the room. And this is a time where you can let your guard down and actually come to the table and not have all the right answers. How are you doing this with the people in your life? Are you creating an environment that opens the door to engaging a conversation? Are you creating an environment that positions you as the answer keeper? As if you have all the right answers. Are you willing to stay curious and ask the why questions? I'll never forget, it was my first big girl job, and I was working in Napa Valley, lovely, and after a photo shoot, I had pulled up a chair at uh, the bar of the restaurant to enjoy some conversation, have a bite before I was going to hit the road and head back, and I was chatting with a few of the strangers next to me, and I started a conversation with one of the vintners, and I was just in awe that I had the opportunity and just felt stumped. 
it was this balance of intimidation, like, wow, you've created bottles on this menu, formulated it, accurately tested the grapes, and pulled off an incredible year of production, and I'm sitting next to you. And that afternoon, I called my dad, and he gave me some of the best advice. Yes, a man of few words, but they always carry impact. And he said this. He said, it's all about the five W stuff. And I can't tell you how many times he said that since, but it's all about the five W's. Who, what, where, when, why. And then when you want to continue the conversation in those questions, you ask the how. How did that work out? How did you go about it? And so forth. This setup has honestly changed my life in so many ways that I don't know how to continue the discussion without reaching for that resource in my mind of the five W's. And it has helped me to continue to stay present and to continue to stay engaged. Whether I truly understand the topic or not, I then get to actively learn what the person has to say and what the person is telling me. Robin Roberts, I was watching her the other night on Masterclass, and it was so good. And she says, optimism is a muscle that gets stronger with use. No joke, I was making a salad, and I stopped it, and I rewound it, and played it again. And she says it was such poise, and she's just so beautiful. And it was such a sticky phrase that it just stuck with me, and I hope it sticks with you. Optimism is a muscle that gets stronger with use. And she also encourages this. Are you asking for permission? She says to give yourself permission to feel and to be optimistic. You see, I think this sense of optimism directly plays into our willingness and our desire to ask questions. Are we optimistic about how we ask questions? I've felt challenged by this many times about the conversation of optimism when people have said, oh my gosh, she's so happy. And you know what? You're right. I am happy. But you see, I'm selective at who is exposed to everything else that I have to deal with, as should you be. It's okay to be selective as to who's exposed to your everyday moments of life, the highs, the lows, the tough stuff. It's okay. It's a daily choice to feel the joy and the optimism because guess what? I love to be realistically optimistic is how I phrase it. And that's okay. And some people are not going to be okay with that. And that's I'll get into that a little bit later of like, how you decide to surround yourself with different leaders and different people. But the reality is, is that you get, you have the power to make those decisions. And in that power, you also have the decision of, am I going to advance my confidence and my ability in asking questions, right? This plays into how we talk about questions. We can talk all about how to ask a question or the questions you should ask, But if you don't have a sense of optimism and confidence, then this whole conversation is for waste. It's not complete waste, a sense of waste, uh, if you will, because if you're not willing to actually sit with the thoughts of all these questions as to considering why you do or don't ask questions and sit with yourself, it doesn't really matter what questions you're asking. We're getting to the why of great leaders asking great questions. It's because you're actually going to care about what you're asking to make yourself better, to be better for other people. Because you're going to have a better sense of self and you're going to be a better person to others. So no, I don't believe that this moment of challenging these why questions is a waste because I believe that if you feel challenged by a sense of optimism, it's to better you and your path ahead. This 
is a matter of the way you think and the way you feel and the opportunities that you have in front of you. This whole conversation is about that. I remember one time I was unemployed and seeing people complain about their jobs. And honestly, I would have given anything to be able to complain about my position at that time. I was like, please just give me a job that I can also complain about. (laughs) And now that we're in a pandemic and having seen such high numbers of unemployment, I feel like we now understand unemployment in a slightly different way. And I remember thinking like, man, I don't even want to complain. Like, I would just be so grateful that I have a job, that I can go to work, right? It's that... It's that transition of thought and that transition of your mindset. And based on conversations listened to lately from time to time, I don't know that people still truly understand that feeling of unemployment. And that's okay. Some people haven't asked the questions to people that are unemployed. It's when you can sense and engage optimism, you can engage courage and vulnerability all in the, w- in the way that you are willing to ask questions. And that that means you might actually discover that you are willing and able to engage in a conversation where you further advance knowledge in your conversation with someone to learn that maybe they actually have been unemployed before. But if you don't ask the questions, you won't learn the knowledge, right? You won't learn something about an an experience that you've never been through. So whether it's divorce or family loss or um, addiction, you don't know what that really that experience is truly like until you say like, hey, I haven't personally been through that, but I want to know more. I want to learn more. I want to be able to understand that better. And being willing to sit at the table and have some of those kinds of conversations and questions gives you so much more power in becoming a better human. And it also gives that person on the other side a chance to actually show up and engage in a conversation that Maybe they become more empowered by even just using their voice to speak to it. And they're not going to be perfect questions, but learning how to ask questions is truly going to accelerate your growth and ultimately make you a better human being. And right now, trust me, we need a lot of better human beings. And if you're waiting for me to call you out as like, you can be the person to feel empowered to go ask questions, then yes, you. Right now, if you're listening, start thinking as to like, who are some of the people that I'm willing to ask better questions with? I'm willing to learn how to be asking these questions that are going to get me more engaged in life. Shoot, ask me some questions. Have a conversation with me, right? But here's a list of questions to ask yourself that are inspired by John Maxwell's Good Leaders Ask Great Questions. Am I investing in myself? Am I genuinely interested in others? Am I grounded as a leader? Am I adding value to my team? Am I staying in my strength zone? Am I taking care of the priorities today? Am I investing my time with the right people? Those questions really help you sit down and kind of take a look at your priorities and help you ask yourself the right questions to start to get to your why. And before we close, I'm going to provide you with one more list that I love because John uses this as a way that how he factors in who he works with. And I encourage you to take a look at this and to think through this as kind of a a sifter filtering process, right? As to like who gets to be in your leadership pool, who gets to be a, a part of your circle. And you may still just be building the circle or you might be like, I have plenty of people, we're good. But I encourage you that this list is going to help you get there. 
Take a look at the following. The influence factor. Do they influence others? The capacity factor. Do they have the potential to grow and develop? The attitude factor. Do they desire to grow and develop themselves? The chemistry factor. Do we even like each other? I know, sometimes that is like so basic. But do you even like that person? Do you even want that person on your team? The passion factor. Are they self-motivated? The character factor. Are they grounded? Do you actually like their character? Are you, do you look at that person and say, wow, they have such incredible character? The values, ca- the values factor. Are our values compatible? Is your moral compass aligned with one another? Do you actually feel like you're drawing from the same well? The teamwork factor. Do they work well with others? Take a look at how they work with your team, how they work with maybe your friends, your family. All of that plays into it. And the option factor. Are there options to their contribution? And finally, the 10% factor. Are they in the top 10% of those on the team? And one thing to consider is at the end of the day, different people will provide a different output. We can't expect the same results from different people because it's ultimately not going to be the same experience. Each person brings their unique experience to the table, and yet if we can honor that truth with the questions we're interested in asking, then we'll thrive in harmony with vulnerability, accountability, humility, and authority. Thanks so much for listening this week. I appreciate it. And as always, like, share, or subscribe to this podcast. When you subscribe or rate it, it also helps others discover this podcast. So go ahead and do that. And I encourage you to share it with a friend. You never know who might actually need to hear the message and apply it to their life. So hope you have a great week. Enjoy. Enjoy.